Welcome to Skin Deep with Glamid Plus. In today's episode, we're talking about what to look for when selecting an aesthetic school with Addison Kessler. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Sarah Robbins. I'm the Director of Education here at Glymed Plus. I'm also a Master Esthetician in the state of Utah, and I'm joined by one of my favorite estheticians, Addison. Hi, I'm Addison Kessler. I am the Education Ambassador here at Glymed Plus. I am a licensed Master Esthetician in the state of Utah, and I've been using Glymed for about four years now. Has Glymed Plus changed your life, Addison? Oh, absolutely. Before I was introduced to Glymed, as embarrassing as it is to say, I was literally using Irish spring soap on my face. So it has definitely (laughs) changed my life. That is like my deepest skincare secret that I wanted to take to the grave, but now you all know it. But you know, Addison, I think we all started somewhere because I'm guilty. I used to love apricot scrub. Oh yeah. Love it. Like everyone did. (laughs) Right. We just didn't know better, but now we do. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking about aesthetic school and becoming an esthetician. So with that being said, Addison, what was your favorite part of aesthetic school? So this is a hard one. I loved everything about aesthetic school. I loved learning aesthetics from the theory to the services. But what I really liked about my specific school that I attended was they kind of stepped it up a notch and they took us to other places like dermatology offices, spas, things like that, so that we could actually see licensed estheticians in that field of work and like ask them questions and it was really neat to see like where we could potentially be that is cool not everywhere does that yeah how about you Sarah what what would you say was your favorite I actually really loved my whole school experience I loved aesthetic school but I think the areas that I always look back on is definitely the theory It was just Mm -hmm. so interesting learning about like skin histology. I love, I love doing treatments. I love chemical pills. Like, so all of that was really fun, but I think the most memorable part was just all of the theory, but also I do have to say, I loved all of the girls I went to school with, like everyone that was in my class. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was so fun to, to meet other Um, estheticians. And I feel like it really helped broaden my perspective and understanding. And I was really grateful for that. Well, it's really like neat too, just seeing like, I mean, for me, when I was in school, a lot of us at the beginning, we kind of talked about where we saw ourselves after graduating. And it's kind of cool to see a lot of the girls went very different paths in aesthetics, like after learning how much variety there is and how many different places you can take yourself in the aesthetic industry. So that's also very cool. Well, and I feel like sometimes you start off in school and you're like, you have this idea of where you want to work and what you're going to do, but that changes as you go through your schooling because different experiences resonate with you, or Mm -hmm. sometimes you go the other way entirely. 
Oh yes, I totally oh. agree. And just to touch too, I can totally see you loving the theory side of things because even now you are just so interested in learning that stuff and like building on what you already know. I, you know, that kind of stuff still fascinates you. I feel like it just, I have to know how and why. And then I'm like, so how do I make this easier to understand for sure? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Why don't we kind of jump into our first subject? So um, Addison, I know you and I have had so many conversations about this, and this episode is going to be especially important to you just because I know this is something you always educate anyone that asks us about like where they should go to aesthetic school or what they should be looking into. And so I think this is going to be a really empowering episode for anyone that's interested in becoming an esthetician. I feel like one of the first things I kind of like to look into is, is the school up to date with the industry? There's experiences I've heard from other estheticians I know where they've attended a school and that school was maybe either offering like teaching hands-on learning for services that aren't really relevant in the industry right now or that people aren't necessarily performing at the time or they're not teaching services that are popular in, in the industry at the time. So for instance, I have a good friend who went to an aesthetic school and at the time, microneedling was very, very popular. Dermal planning was coming in. However, that school didn't offer any hands-on learning for that. They maybe briefly learned it out of their textbook, but they didn't get that hands-on practice, which right now, microneedling and dermal planning, everyone's doing that. So I think that's a big thing to look into. Number one, I think that is important is kind of have an idea of where you want to go in the aesthetic industry and then making sure you're looking into schools that would fit that criteria for you to graduate with that certification. If possible to look into multiple schools, I understand that there are definitely areas across the states where it's like the closest school to you is the only option. Um, and then the mm -hmm. other one is maybe, you know, too far away. And so of course you kind of have to work with where you're at and where you're located, but if you have the opportunity to go to multiple schools within the area, look into all of them. And like Addison is saying, look and see what treatments they're teaching. Oftentimes you can call a school and ask them, hey, do you guys offer tours? Can I come in, see your facility, maybe sit in on like part of a class or just get um, a tour around the entire school whether it's just the classrooms, the spa, anything of that nature, I think is helpful. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and that might also give you an opportunity to like find out what product lines they use. Is that a product line you would be interested in learning about and potentially carrying? Are they using high quality grade products? I mean, I also have another friend who went to a school and the products that they offered were very just over the counter, you know, things you could just run into Walmart and grab. And it's, you know, as estheticians, we need to be able to help create changes in the skin. And how do you do that with just an over the counter product, you know, so really look into the quality of their education, what they're giving you. It says a lot about the integrity of a school, depending on what product lines they are carrying at the school, because as licensed professionals, we are able to use higher concentrations and 
um, more raw, pure materials in our treatment products and in our home care recommendations, that why wouldn't we be utilizing those in our treatment room? And so if a school's not practicing that same method or practice, then I think that gives a good indication on the standard for the school. Not always, but it is something to be wary of. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes along with like their reputation. What have you heard? Maybe ask some students or ask around. You can call in and talk to different instructors. Just ask about that school that you're looking at going into. Oh my gosh. Yes, I agree. I feel like that's like so important. Just like getting that first impression because I feel like, I mean, when we go and look into something, we do get like that gut feeling of like, okay, this feels right. This feels good. Or no, this is, you know, this isn't sitting well. And whether that's because of how the experience is going between talking to instructors or other members at the school that are there to assist you as a new student, um, whatever it may be, I just think it's important to go with how that, that school resonates with you as well. Oh, I absolutely think that's a brilliant tip because you want, you're going to be spending a lot of time there. So you better love the environment where it's located and the overall feeling that you get from being in that building. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is there anything like when it comes to like instructors that you think is like good to keep in mind? Yes. Okay. So I, I love this question. Um, when you first start looking into schools, I think number one, check out their website. If they have one, check out their social media platforms, but then also call in and see if you can talk to someone in charge, whether it's their HR or the product manager, anything, anyone that's in charge that you can actually get a little bit more information. You can let them know that you're interested in attending and you just want to know more about their school. I would have a list of a few questions that you're going to want to ask them. And asking about staffing and instructors is huge. So one thing I recommend asking is how many instructors do they have on site And how many are there typically throughout the day? So is there a morning instructor? Is there a night instructor? And then um, do they alternate? Are there different instructors as you go through different courses? Because you'll want to see if there is enough instructors there to help take care of all the students. That way you feel like you're getting that one-on-one attention. Oh, Sarah, I totally agree with that because nothing is worse than having a huge class full of students and there's not enough instructors to be able to answer the questions you may have. And then also, you know, with the variety of instructors, you know, I think it's good to find out too, what are their teaching styles? How do they go about teaching you the materials in that program? And is it a teaching style that's going to fit your needs as a learner? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because It's important that you mesh well with your teachers. I'm not saying you need to get along with everyone, but they are going to be responsible for helping to communicate that important information to you. And then along with that, Addison, do you think it's important having instructors there that they have um, certain areas that they excel in or experience? Do you like to find out anything about that? Okay, yes. So... When I went to aesthetic school, one thing that I really liked is I felt like we had a mix of instructors and I felt like they were all unique in what 
portion of aesthetics they were passionate about. So we had one who was very into the very holistic feel-good side of aesthetics, and then one that was more very driven and passionate about the medical side of aesthetics. And that was really amazing because they both were just so great at teaching those portions of the classes that it almost made it more enjoyable to learn. And then the other thing too, like, I also think it is important kind of steering away from that part a little bit that the instructors are also licensed estheticians or somehow part of the aesthetic aesthetic industry. Because I did have a friend who went to another aesthetic school and she actually had an instructor that was a cosmetologist. And so she didn't have really the same level of um, aesthetic experience. And so I know for them, that was really hard to learn because they had this cosmetologist trying to teach them skincare ingredients. And it was almost difficult because if they had questions, she herself would then need to go figure out the answer before she could help because she just she didn't have that background, you know. So it was almost a little bit mm-hmm. of a disservice to those students, I'm sure. That is such a good point too. When you call to ask about how many instructors are on site or available in each classroom, um, if you are looking at a school that offers both cosmetology and aesthetics, there is a chance that there are going to be um, instructors that cross over, and so if that is a school that you're looking into, maybe asking how many of those instructors are estheticians. And that way that gives you an idea of of how much interaction you're going to have with an actual esthetician versus a cosmetologist. Not to say that a cosmo won't know the answers to the questions that you're asking, but it does help to have someone who is familiar with your field for sure. Right. I totally agree. And and plus too, I think it's important to find out if if those instructors, if that school is providing them themselves with continuing education. I mean, the aesthetic industry is constantly changing. The services that are popular and trending constantly change and new ingredients come out. And so it's also, I feel like a big part of making sure you're getting the best education is that your instructors themselves are also getting good Mm -hmm. education. I agree with you. And I think that just goes back to show the integrity of the school and what they're putting back into the students and their staff. And I think that that speaks volumes. Not to say that all of these are deal breakers, but they're good to have the information or whatever information you can get about this school. And going along with that, Addison, I think it's important that the instructors also understand and know the product lines that are being used at the school. Because that is so important to be able to trust and go to those instructors about questions on the products, whether it's ingredient or how to use it. You want someone that's actually using it either in their home care or in their practice as well. Oh my gosh. Yes. I feel like that is so big, especially as a student, you're practicing services, you know, from facials to chemical pills. And if these are products you've never used, you're, you know, you're learning, you're unfamiliar with how the skin might react, what's normal, what's not normal. And so to have someone that understands those products and what's a normal reaction from that product, what's not, and to be able to guide you through that, that is so huge because, you know, if you have an instructor that doesn't, isn't aware that certain products can cause a different reaction in the skin, 
you don't want to end up potentially harming someone's skin. You know, you don't want to harm a client that comes in for you to practice a service on. Yeah, exactly. Well, and not that, and no one's perfect. And you know what, sometimes there's situations that happen in aesthetic school that make us better estheticians. You know, sometimes if your instructor Mm -hmm. doesn't know or isn't familiar and you yourself go out and get that information, that can be really empowering. But overall, we want to make sure that you have a reliable staff that you're able to go to and get answers from. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're all learning. So in aesthetic school, it's nothing's ever going to be perfect, but we want to learn as gracefully as we can and to the most safe and healthy way possible for everyone. It must be a ton of pressure to have students all day long asking you. And a lot of the times that's how instructors become better instructors is by getting those those questions from the students. And so it helps everyone in the long run for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I just want to ask you real quick, how many other students were in your class with you? Okay, so I went to a school in a very small town, so... I don't know if my class size is considered small, but I think I started with about seven girls and we had three different instructors, but they had multiple sets of girls that started at different times. So all three instructors would be teaching different groups, but yeah, I had about seven girls. Actually, I would would prefer a smaller class. Sometimes schools will um, say, you know, we have like 50 students in each class Mm -hmm. and it's like, Actually, a lower number is better for me because I would want more one-on-one with the instructor rather than a big class, which can be a little bit distracting, a little bit noisy. I'm like, seven actually sounds really nice. No, yeah, it was actually really wonderful. And I feel like it gave us all the opportunity to just honestly develop really good friendships as well. But but you're right, it did allow us to just have really good one-on-one time with our instructors. And I think that really helped all of us. How, how was your class though, Sarah? Did you have a larger group size, smaller? My class was a little bit larger or the classes at my school were a little bit larger, but I do live in a a little bit of a a busier place of the state. Um, But when I went, so we had about 10 instructors and they did maybe 10 is a little bit too much. I would say around eight instructors and so we had you know we had daytime classes yeah because we had daytime classes and then we had night students night classes depending Mm -hmm. if you were going full-time or part-time and then in my class we had probably 15 to 20 of us in one class okay that's a lot I mean compared to me that's a lot (laughs) right which was which was again it I actually feel like that's a happy medium because you don't want to have, you know, too many that it's distracting. It's hard to get through demonstrations and exchanges, but you also don't want to have it be too few where it's like people are afraid to ask questions and because, you know, you don't want to be like singled out in a small group. But we also had lots of classes going on. So there was a class ahead of me and a class behind me. Well, there was multiple classes ahead of me and multiple classes behind me. And so it just felt like there was always a ton of us um, Mm. at school, you know? So even though my class was like 15 to 20, there was a class ahead of me that had like 12 students. And then a class behind me that had, you know, again, that 20 to 15. 
You know, I could see what I think would maybe be very nice about that is having that group of students ahead of you. I'm, I'm assuming they were maybe further along in the program. I'm not sure if that's how it was, but if you, mm-hmm. you know, if there are instructors that maybe are busy, I feel like that could be beneficial. The fact that there are some students that are a little more advanced and could maybe help the students that are a little newer. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. And you get to know each, not all of the classes, but the, I would say the class ahead of us and the class behind us, we became close with because we typically were doing either theory together or we were doing um, spa days together. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right. We would have estheticians who had already learned a certain course that would be able to like help us in the demo room or like on the spa floor. So it was nice. And I feel like everybody just has a different perspective. And so they're able to reiterate what they learned. And maybe you get a different viewpoint that you wouldn't have got from just your own learning experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get what you mean. Yeah, that makes sense. It was always busy, but it was nice. No, that that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, One other thing, Sarah, that I think would be fun to touch on. I know here in Utah for aesthetic school, we are required a certain amount of theory hours, and then we also are required to perform a certain amount of services. Um, how was your school when it came to performing services? Did they already have a client base? Did you guys need to bring in your own clients? Yeah, actually, Addison, I think this is a good question that anyone that's listening, put this on the list of things to ask is the client, the school's client base. Um, cause I think this is huge. So I'm interested to hear yours. I'll let you, I'll answer the question. Um, my school was like a functioning spa as well as a school. So there was a steady client, a clientele that would come in. We had regulars. Um, so we always had models, but we also could bring in our own models. They would just have to schedule a service through the spa system. Um, So if you didn't have someone, we usually had someone coming in that you could use as a model, or we had the opportunity to bring our own models in. So it was nice. Yeah, that sounds nice. I feel like mine was kind of similar. We did have, I mean, again, I was in a, a small town, so I feel like we had regulars, not a ton. It wasn't a full on functioning spa. Um, but we did have also the option to bring in our own like friends, family, whoever we could get to come in. And I think that's the majority of how we would get our services passed off. Um, but the nice thing about my school is when we would learn a new service. So say like we learned chemical peels, then we would be given a certain amount of free chemical pill tickets per se, that we could do. So we could bring in so many people to come in for free for a chemical peel. And that really, I think, helped us with being able to get people to come in because sometimes it's hard, at least at my school, uh, people had to pay for services. It was like a discounted price, but it definitely helped having that, those few free ones to offer to get people in. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense, right? Because you should, a part of part of going through aesthetic school is making sure that you have the ability to perform these services on um, individuals, whether they're clients or family members, but that is part of it. And I love that your school did that. I think we only got one free model per category. Otherwise they had to like pay to come in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is when I went to school like nine, 10 years ago, (laughs) (laughs) but 
that's how we had it set up. And so we only had like, I think maybe one or two free clients, but I love that your school did that because that makes a lot of sense. And especially in a smaller town, I could see how that might be hard to have a consistent client base coming through. So I'm sure that also helped move product and things as well. Mm -hmm. And you know what, too, I think, I mean, this is a little bit random, but I feel like something from going to aesthetic school that kind of makes me laugh is how many people do not know what an esthetician is. I don't know if you ran into that, but trying to get people to come in for services, so many people would be like, what is an esthetician? Yes. What did people think it was before you explained it? What did you usually get? A lot of people thought cosmetology, they thought it was hair. So I would try and get people, Mm -hmm. family or friends to come in for services. And they would be like, I don't know if I need my hair done. And I'm like, oh no, honey, this is not your hair. (laughs) You're like, I want to work on your face. (laughs) I don't don't think you want me to work on your hair either. So that's not what we're going to do. Oh, that's funny. Yes. I think a lot of people thought I did hair or the one that, that actually I got a lot was people thought I was saying like anesthesiologist and I'm like, Oh, definitely not. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And sometimes too, I think people say esthetician really funny as well. Like Mm -hmm. anytime I, people try to pronounce it, it's just so funny that it's just such an unknown thing. I, I think it's becoming a little bit more known, but at least when I went to school a few years ago, like just no one knew what it was, how to say it, what you did. Mm-hmm. People like pause when they like try to say it. You're like, oh, I'll help you. No. <laughs> I'm an esthetician, you know, <sighs> which just speaking of that, I know we get asked this all the time, Addison, but do you want to tell everyone the difference between the spelling esthetician where there's an E and then there's an A? Generally, if it's more medical based is when there is the A there. So if you're like a master esthetician, you've learned kind of a lot more of those advanced um, treatments and things. So then it would be esthetician with an A. But if you have that basic esthetician license it's with an e yeah that's absolutely right and this does vary like and actually just even licensing for an esthetician is so funny across the states because um oftentimes well here in utah which is where addison and i are located we have a master aesthetic licensure so we have a basic aesthetic and then we have a master aesthetic and that's not a license that's recognized across the the whole U.S. There's only several other states that offer that same licensure. But even from state to state, the aesthetic license does vary. Like I know some people um, are able to have a medical esthetician license where they've received additional training and they can be called that, but it wouldn't be acknowledged or accepted in another state. And so even just the aesthetic license itself is so broad and different depending on where you are. Mm, yeah, that's, that's so true. It really is so different everywhere. Mm-hmm. And different hours, like uh, every state offers a mi- different minimum hours to become an esthetician. And so it's just so wild to me. Like you'd think that there would be a little bit more of like a standard but there's not. It really is kind of like the Wild West. 
I know. Um, speaking of that, Sarah, just kind of how like every state's a little different, like we're here in Utah, we are offered that master program and other states maybe aren't. Um, do you have like any suggestions for maybe other states that don't have that master program of like what they can do to be able to offer those types of services? You know, I know a few estheticians will further their education and get into nursing school, things like that. Would you say that's a beneficial thing or? Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I think it just depends on what you decide you want to do as an esthetician. So let's say maybe your state offers 500 hours to become an esthetician, but you want to do more medical uh, more medical practices or work with a dermatologist and you feel like you want to further your education, of course, I think it's beneficial to either look into other sources. We oftentimes have estheticians come to aesthetic school here in Utah to get that master licensure, even though it won't be recognized as a master aesthetic license in their state, just so that they can have that because you can still put it on your resume. Um, you'll still it will still transfer over as an an aesthetic license in your state, but you have that more advanced education over other estheticians in the area. And I honestly think that that is a brilliant idea if you are definitely wanting to put your heart and soul in this industry. I don't think that any any additional education is a waste just because your license will say esthetician versus master. If you go to any other state where that master aesthetic license is is usable, like it still follows you, but it also just elevates you that much more as an esthetician in your state. So I think that's one thing. If you want your state to carry the master aesthetic license, there are things that you can do to bring it to your state board and see if that's something to be implemented. You're definitely going to need a lot of other estheticians to get on board with you and you'll need to work with your state to see what can we do to get this in place. And that goes for the same thing if your state offers low hours. Like there's some states that only offer 150 hours to become an esthetician. And if you want more and you can get a bunch of estheticians behind you, you can actually up that those hours if you get enough of you going to your state for that. Oh my gosh, Sarah, I love that so. you let everyone know that because I do think it's important that people know if that there are ways to make those things happen. So thank mm -hmm. you for sharing that. Yes. That's important. Yeah. And I hope I, I hope I did answer it. I'm like, there's actually a lot that we could go down with this question, but oh, yeah. those are just like off the top. <laughs> um, that did make me think though. So since we were speaking about becoming, you know, licensed in other States, um, I kind of want to just touch back a little bit when it comes to like choosing an aesthetic school, because this reminds me, it is so important to find an aesthetic school that prepares you for those state tests. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Addison, what's your experience with that? Or what do you want anyone that's wanting to become an esthetician to know about kind of going about that? So I feel like for me, I was very fortunate with my school. They had a really good pass rate for the state test. And, and I do think that's a good thing to ask about when you're looking into school is what their passing rate is. Um, but they literally drilled it into our heads. Like we were always practicing with our instructor as if we were giving 
or doing the state test. So she would literally sit at a table. It would be quiet. We couldn't talk and she would just watch us. And they literally just had us do it again and again and again throughout the course. And so when it came to taking that state test, like the hands-on portion, like it was like just going with the motions. It was, it was seamless. It was just so easy. And I feel like that really took away almost the stress and the nervousness of it because we had just done it so many times. It just made it so easy. Um, how was, how did your school help you guys prepare? Okay. Well, I love that your school did that kind of like right off the bat. It's like just teaching you, this is how it's done. And then that way you guys felt really ready for it. Mm -hmm. I feel like my school, when we were, so when we were getting ready to pass our tests, as we got through closer to the program, of course, sanitation, this is how you set up for a treatment. This is how you Mm -hmm. clean up after a treatment. So they were really good about sanitation and making sure that we knew like the proper steps for preparing and cleaning up. But as we got closer to ending our program um, for aesthetic school and getting ready for our tests, then that's when they spent more time going through how we would be tested. So, of course, they prepared us for the written exam because there's two main tests here Mm -hmm. in Utah. You take a a written exam and then you do a practical or a physical exam. So where you actually perform a service on a dummy. Um, At least for me, it was a dummy. Did you have a live model, Addison? Uh, no, we, we used mannequins. Yeah. We had mannequin heads. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, we had a mannequin head too. Um, and like things that you used for like your pretend tool in the treatment room, like this is a pretend high frequency, you know? I know. I know doing that test was so interesting and it's, I was really glad too going into it. Our instructors kind of gave us a heads up of like every school does this different. It doesn't mean yours is wrong because it's at least when I went in, everyone's stuff they had to perform the services with was different than like the stuff we used. So I think that's also Mm -hmm. a good thing to keep in mind is to just focus on you, not, not look at what everyone else has and is doing because every school kind of uses different materials for each service that they test on. Absolutely. Uh, did your school give you like a kit? Like this is your kit that you're going to take when you go do your practical. So we kind of built ours throughout the program. So as we took the program and we learned different services that would be on the state test, we would put everything together that would go in our kit for that service as well. And then we would practice that service the way that you need to do it for the state test and so we just slowly built ours throughout the program um but it is nice too because they do give you the option if you want to leave your kit when you graduate and then the next students coming in can buy your kit off of you so some some students did buy a kit already put together that another student had um built oh wow that's cool yeah how, how that's real, you- i love that Yeah. How did you do yours? Did you guys just buy everything at once or? No. So for when, so when we went to go do our practical, we had, the school had um, designated practical kits that we had to check out. So our school gave us everything that we would need to go do the practical test. And then 
um, we eat like each kit had a number and then we would check it out, use it for our actual test. And then we'd bring it back in and check it in. And if anything was missing, then of course, like we got charged or had to replace it. Um, besides the essentials, like, uh, things that would be thrown away in the practical, like throwing mm -hmm. away your gauze, we weren't charged for that, but anything big or major, we'd have to like pay for it to be replaced. And so our school took care of that for us, which was, it was nice okay, that yeah, we didn't I have actually, to worry about it. Yeah. I actually love that. I was just thinking like that would have been actually really nice because <laughs> then, you know, if you graduate and then you're stuck with this kit if no one buys it after so I'm kind of like hmm, maybe that would have been nicer to not have invested all in all the things for it and just checked one out right well I mean I could see how that would help you know with building relationships in school but also it is it was nice not to have to worry about it we just had a kit mm -hmm. but so I think I think what that reminds me of Addison so one thing I think it's great that we that anyone listening asking about what the pass rate is for this for students for the state test also following up with how do they prepare you for those tests and then after you get those answers maybe touching on um, what the school does as far as teaching the state requirements or if they offer any additional certifications like are there other options to further yourself besides what is the standard curriculum uh, yeah, I think that's a great point because every school, I think, certifies in different things. Like my school, for instance, we got certified in lash extensions, but we didn't get um, certified in anything for like microneedling or lasers. And so if you wanted to get more into a dermatology office or something more medical based that uses lasers, you're then kind of on your own to make sure you get that certification. So I think that's so important to find out what, what certifications they're going to give you because you never know which ones you're going to want and need. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it changes as you're going through your schooling because some, a new practice might come out or a new law is passed. And so that does change in the curriculum throughout your time in aesthetic school. Mm -hmm. So keep an eye on that and make sure you're talking to your your HR or your school lead for that. But Addison, I just want to touch on something. So I, again, I don't think that everything is a deal breaker. I think you just have to ask the questions and look into what best fits you because mm -hmm. I have some friends who didn't want to do anything with laser. All they wanted to do was basic facials and waxing, which I'm not bashing because they make excellent money and that is all they do, you know? Oh, yeah. So do what fits your needs. Like, what do you want to do? Well, yeah, there has to be a variety of, you know, estheticians being interested in different things. That's what makes our industry. We have estheticians that are amazing with lasers and chemical pills. We have estheticians that are amazing with waxing and, and lashes and, I mean, I could not do lashes to save my life. I'm literally awful at them. So I literally praise <laughs> estheticians that do them because they are amazing at it. And we need that. We need estheticians that are amazing at lashes. Right. It's like an art. <laughs> it, really, it really is. It is like so tedious. I just can't even wrap my brain around it. So, yeah, absolutely. So I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. Cause I'm like, it does uh, just try and get 
what best fits your needs. So if your school doesn't do laser, but you're not planning on doing laser or don't have the desire, don't feel like you have to then go spend money to get that. It is something to consider, but if that's not something that interests you, then it doesn't need to be a deal breaker for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely not. I definitely just go with, follow what resonates with you and you know, you'll, you'll end up where you're meant to be and where you feel like you're going to do great. So. And so one more, one more thing, uh, when you're considering going to an aesthetic school, I would ask about financial assistance and opportunities. Um, I know one thing my school did was grants or FOSFA. Those were two things that you could do. Addison, did your school offer those or did they do anything different? Yeah, mine had grants. They had different ways you could apply for grants. And then we did have FAFSA. That's, yeah, and those are both like amazing. I think people kind of get a little bit intimidated by the financial side of it. So I think it's really important to know that there are ways that you can go to school. You can make that happen without being nervous that you're going to get stuck with all these um finances after. So again, like look into those grants, look into FAFSA. FAFSA is amazing. It, a lot of people qualify for that. So I just think it's important to not hold yourself back because of that, because there are so many things that you can do um, to cover that and to make that happen. And you can even too, when it comes to like getting books for the class, you know, your textbooks, your state kits, things like that. Like, again, you can, you can buy books from previous students for cheaper. You can rent them, things like that. So. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Addison, that a lot of people get intimidated with the finance side. And I think it's important when you're calling and, and asking about certain questions about that school's program, their curriculum, ask them about financial aid. Do they offer it? Do they recommend, if they don't do it, do they recommend somewhere that you could go, like a credit union, or maybe even look into opportunities or options with your credit union or your bank? Sometimes there are things that your bank will offer for helping to continuing with schooling. Um, but not being afraid to ask that. And then one thing you mentioned was like, you know, do they sell, uh, used books at a discounted rate? I think another thing is ask what is included in your intuition? Is that all factored in already? Or are there going to be expenses throughout your schooling that you need to be aware of? Because I know for my school, it was all done up front. So everything was included in my intuition. And then if there was a new practice or a new um, equipment and tools that came out, we could then pay a little bit extra to then add that into our, our tuition. Um, otherwise, it was something we'd have to get outside of school. Or I have heard some other estheticians that not everything was included in their tuition. And so at certain parts of the course, they would have to pay extra in order to get that certification or schooling. So something to ask them is what all is included when you first start. Yeah, I think that's a really great point because every school does do that a little bit different. So it is good to be aware of what does my tuition initially cover and what might come up later that I'm also going to need to cover. I think that was great to, to bring up. You helped me with that one. So thanks for tipping it off. You're welcome. Um, just recap of like important questions that we think 
you should be asking schools that you're considering going to. Uh, I know for me, staffing is important and asking about tours as well as financial aid. Addison, what are a few others that you think are important? Just saying like those and then what certifications are you going to get? Really look into your instructors. What are What is their education like? What is their teaching style like? I liked that you said to see if you can maybe sit in on a class and, you know, maybe that would also help you to decide if you really feel that that's what you want to go into. Just kind of sit in on a class and see what it's really about. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'll know. You'll know in the first hour if that's something you want to do, you know, for 40 hours or however months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think finding out the number of students in each class, how many instructors go across the number of students. Um, asking base. about the pass rate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Client base, the pass rate, how do they prepare you for passing? Um, and then field trips. I love that your school took you on field trips. I think that is not a deal breaker, but it's definitely like the sprinkles on top, right? Oh yeah. And it just makes for like a fun day to get a break from being in the classroom. And, and we even had days too, where they would bring representatives into our school. So, I mean, um, we have Melissa here at Glymed, and she's our account manager over Utah. And she actually came to my school when I was going to aesthetic school and she came and talked to us about products. And so I think that's really beneficial having a school that will bring people like that in to talk to you about different lines, about different um, equipment, things like that, so that you're getting exposed and you're learning what things are out there. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. That's a good, I'm so glad you brought that up, Addison. That's a good one. So Sarah, is there anything else you can think of that we should go over when it comes to choosing an aesthetic school? Do you think we, we covered it all? I think we covered a good portion. Um, I'm sure there's things we left out or we didn't have in there, but I think for what we did offer, it's pretty solid, a good solid starting point for sure. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us and we will see you guys in our next one. Bye. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. We'll see you next time.